0: Years, 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 Episode ten. Do I think what I remember most is the sound of everything in the moment when I knew it had all gone wrong. And yeah, I get it. Sound, right? Everyone's always got something to say about sound. The son of Sam did, and if you listen long enough I'm willing to bet almost everyone will hear something in the world around them. It's... how did my English teacher say it? It was an autumn day, I remember that much because I always liked to sit next to the window so I could listen to the rain tap against the glass and watch golden yellowing leaves blow in the wind. I can't even remember how the topic got started, but I think it had to do with a school project gone wrong. I think someone hadn't fully grasped the concept of the assignment, and we got into the whole idea that some people didn't experience internal monologue or something like that. He said some people didn't have that voice, you know? When you go through life and you can hear your own thoughts in your head. It's one of those things people always take for granted, thinking that everyone is like everyone else, but that's never the case. I think we might all be little more than mysteries and monsters, but we don't have any way of finding out until it's too late. I don't know, I'm probably not explaining this too well. He wasn't that great of a teacher, and if you're someone who's never heard their own thoughts, then there's no goddamn way anything I say is going to make sense to you anyway. So, just take my word for it, would you? Some of us can hear our own thoughts, some of us can't. I'd imagine way back in the day that might have factored into why some people thought they heard a god talking to them, and why it made them feel special. I guess I always just took mine for granted. And you can thank writing for high school lit mags and shit for that, but there came a time I didn't. I never kept up with our teacher. He might have been pretty shit, honestly. He had that failed artist vibe of someone who was incredibly sad to be doing something with his life that wasn't what he thought it was his true calling. He built the type. Dumpy little guy with thick glasses and a stupid hat. Always carried a notebook around and told people the true meaning of literature yeah yeah you get it the sort of guy you veer far away from when you see him in a coffee shop or sitting at a bar they might as well be some church dude trying to get you to come to their saturday night services but at least those people don't open every conversation with a link to their book on amazon so yeah i never kept up with the guy because to be honest he seemed like a bit of a loser and I wasn't going to be the one to hang out with the teacher only to find out he was a pedophile or something, but I always remembered that day in class and how even he'd struck a chord because I spent a lot of time writing as a kid and it was something that came naturally to me. I never kept up with it because I actually wanted to have sex before I was in my 70s and trapped in a retirement home, but everyone who ever read my stuff would say, nice work Luis, and that always felt pretty good. I want to be clear, Uh, no one was ever like, shit, it's Hemingway, or anything like that. They were just nice enough that I knew I had a knack for it, and the only reason that was the case was due to my internal monologue. That voice I knew was me, but some hyper-religious dipshit might have thought was the Lord Jesus talking to them. So when I think about voices, I think about sound, and when I think about sound, it's vice versa. It's always just connected. And so, when I was laying in the grass, staring up at the stars, and I could hear her, when the blades of green were tickling my ears and kind of brought me around, and all I heard was this empty void of silence that eventually got broken open like a fucking melon when I heard her choking and gagging on her own blood, it just broke me, man. I, I couldn't move, couldn't get up, couldn't do a damn thing. I just had to lay there and listen to the sound of her and the blank space between us. That emptiness hurt the most, though. The one that was mine, and the one that wasn't. I'd never been left behind like that. Not permanently. And I know there are more important things to talk about, but it's important to me, alright? And I'm not going to let anyone sit around and tell me any different. See, after I got out of high school, I did the typical kid thing and fucked around a little. I thought I'd make it in music for the longest time, because what guy didn't want to have a band to tell girls about, and since I was already writing back then, that seemed like an easy enough transition. But it turns out that life doesn't give a shit about the kind of dreams you have, or why you have them. It just keeps right on going, and you either have to get run over, or hop the train and ride along to wherever it takes you. For me, it took me to the military eventually. It was an easy way out of some petty, illegal shit I got up to. A little too much drugs rather than rock and roll, you know? And I'll be honest, it gave me a little bit of structure, gave me a little bit of control. So by the end of the whole ordeal, I was 32 and I had a wife without ever having to kill a man. I left feeling like the military-industrial complex gets a bad rap. And, I mean, I know it fucks people up, I have some friends who never made it out of the service if you get my drift, but for me, it all worked out. I came out with a clean record, with a family, and with enough money to get settled once we figured out who I was going to be next. A lot of people don't get that, so I was thankful, I guess. I don't know who to, because I was never really a religious kind of guy, even though Maria always has been, but I know where I'd been headed. If I'd been left to my own devices, I don't think I ever would have really gotten things straightened out. And yeah, I know, I get it. Maybe maybe I never did. Apparently, I apparently I didn't. But I don't know. I like to think that I got at least part of the way there and that it all hadn't been for nothing. What a god awful hand that would be to be dealt, huh? All that time and energy, getting out of the shit under town, getting into the military, surviving active duty without a blemish or a scar, and meeting the mother of my daughter. The idea that I could have gone through all that, but just wound up as the same shit-kicking kid who was a couple bad years from throwing his life away, as almost too much for me to handle. And maybe it was, you know? Maybe it was. But then... I do think I know better than that. It depends on when you ask me, on the day or the week, but that's just kinda how these things go. I know what will be written about me. I'm not an idiot, they'll throw around words in the headline like PTSD and mental illness, but it's nothing like that. I'd like to think you're writing some of this down, and you'll see it too. I'm I'm fine, I've always been fine. I didn't just lose my mind, so much as the person I was listening to just changed one day. Fuck, I'm, I'm probably not doing a great job at describing this. No, all right, just just hear me out. Open mind, right? What's the worst that could happen if you just listen to me? It's like the voice, the narrator, the internal monologue that teacher told us about. I've heard it all my life, just like I said, and I always knew who it was. And I can say that confidently, because it always sounded like me. It's like reading a book out loud, even though you're reading something that's not yours about characters who aren't you. You still sound the same, right? Yeah, so it's like that. In your head, you just hear yourself, and it helps sort things out. It levels the playing field, because it feels like you're not in it alone. It was a life coach, a conscience, the whisper of a guardian angel, whatever the fuck you want to call it, but it was there, and I leaned on that bastard all my life because I just knew without a shadow of a doubt that it was me. And who could I trust more than myself? And I guess that's where it all went wrong, because at a certain point that voice changed. He just sounded... different. And I'd like to say that I didn't realize it until it was too late, but I'm not nearly that full of shit. I knew something was wrong, or if not wrong, that at least something was new. What had been wasn't anymore. Metamorphosis, growth, maybe the source of what I was hearing had always been there and it was always just the one, but if that's the case, then what was coming back was different. Either there was someone new in my life, or we'd grown too comfortable together and one part of me decided something new had to be done. But I know change when I hear it. And the voice that began to echo in my head sounded almost exactly as it always had. Almost exactly the same tone, almost the same advice, almost the same direction. But almost, almost isn't what it kept me alive all these years. You can tell anyone in the army that you're almost you and they'll kick you the fuck out faster than you can blink and they wouldn't get any argument from just about anyone. Because who you are matters. And if that starts to go sideways, there's no telling how it's going to end. For me, it was little things. Adjustments, more like. Do you remember those crane games we used to play when we were kids? The ones where you'd use the joystick to try and snag a stuffed animal? A fucking con, sure, but that was something I didn't realize until I was much older than I should have been. It was like that, like tapping the stick the tiniest bit, centimeter by centimeter, as you tried to get the clod at the perfect spot for the sake of the ultimate prize. Simple adjustments, my sergeant would have said. Simple edits, my English teacher would have shouted with a pointed finger as if he were the first to come to such a stirring realization. But where those little pushes, the nudge here and there, used to get me closer and closer to where I figure I needed to go, Tap after tap pushed me away into spaces I didn't recognize. And I felt like a child playing a game, pressing feverishly at the joystick in an attempt to correct course, only to watch that claw slowly press against the glass until it shattered. And even then, somehow, it would keep going. Imagine you're sitting at a table with a Mother's Day card you searched for all day in a packed Hallmark store. Picture that. And picture your pen poised as if you're about to write, Dearest Maria, I can't even begin to say what a gift you've been, and what an incredible mother you've proven to be. Something simple, something heartfelt. Now imagine just as clearly if, as you began to write, the letters and words began to morph and change. And instead of love professed, there are profanities and truly disgusting words that spill out of this pen as if the ink has a life of its own. Damn you, Maria. You've you've taken everything from me. You're a leech, a bloated tick about to burst, and you've given me a tumor and called it a daughter. That's what it's like to have the narrator switch. That's what it's like to have the man whispering to you change. And I swear, that's just a way to explain where I'm coming from. I would never write something like that, or at least I don't think I would, or or did. You'd be amazed how difficult it is to keep track of things when it feels like you're no longer running the show. <sighs> Maria, Maria has always been the light of my life. When I met her, I knew that life outside the service would be alright. She came from a great family, and I was always a little jealous of that, but They welcomed me in like I was one of their own. When they first immigrated, they busted their asses until they built out the side of a little gas station just outside the city and built it up and into a little Mexican restaurant. It wasn't much, but it was enough to get them by until eventually that single little spot became two, and then two became four, and it went on and on until not a single member of that family would ever have to worry about anything ever again. They were set up, and that success was built on their hard work and dedication to the idea that if you hold on just long enough, it'll all work out. Her father once told me that we're all trains on the tracks headed into a deep tunnel that goes through the side of a mountain. He said all we have to do is keep going, on toward that distant dot of light, and have faith that we'll emerge from the other side and the darkness will be gone, replaced only by light. He was, he was a good man. When I was younger, I used to be in an English class, and I had this teacher. He, he told me once that some of us have the, ever, what did, what was it? He told us that some of us have an internal narrator, and others do not. I never liked the man. He was fat and dumpy, and had that look on his face like everything he said was going to blow your mind. But if, but it never did, and. Sorry, have I have I told this part before? I have, haven't I? It, it must be the shock. I keep hearing that sound. I keep hearing her. Is is she here? Could I could I speak to her, please? Sorry, where was I? I I want to know what happened to our daughter. The the claw machine. That's right. It sounded like a voice. Okay, just like a voice that was almost me so I was never really worried. I can't say I've ever really been scared by much of anything other than impressing Maria's family. I just figured it was a new wrinkle. Everyone grows old, so I just figured my own voice would change with age too. It's like living life before your balls drop, so it made perfect sense that everything I heard in my head would one day get a little deeper, a little lower, and bathed in some sort of wisdom that I never thought I'd get around to possessing. It'd be like cashing out an investment, getting an early return on a 401k. I thought I'd struck gold, and that I'd woken up one morning to find that the man I was had suddenly and finally become possessed by a wisdom I'd been searching for all my life. At last, after so many hurdles, I was ready to be the man I'd always thought I could be. I checked out of the military at 32. I moved into my dream home with Maria six months later. Three months after that, we were expecting and staring down the barrel of a family to build rather than one to leave for her alone. When those tests came back and gave us a green light, she looked at me and asked if I was in it for the long haul. If I'd walk with her through the darkness and the light, and I smiled and said yes. Despite the echo that sounded in my head as a warning of the pain, of the suffering, of the freedom that rejection would supply, I took her hand and said I'd never leave her alone. Do you know what that's like? To stare into someone's eyes and say I'm with you, until the end. No one else does because I've asked, and when those words have been uttered there's just silence. An echo in a canyon, empty space surrounding me and the love that I care enough to remember. It could be that I'm just not like them. It could be that when I stare at them and ask them things I need to know, I'm not good enough, but that's a different question. And life is short, so who am I to solve that problem and answer the questions that I'm trying to ask? I knew. I first knew, anyway, that there was a problem on our daughter's first birthday. She's the light of our lives, and her name is Gloria. Believe me, I got shit for the lack of imagination from my family, and she got shit from hers, but you have no idea what she could be like when she knew what she wanted. When my Maria looked into the future and pictured perfectly what was coming, there was no argument. Every now and then, when our families were throwing down, someone would call her a bruja. That means which, to all you ignorant white motherfuckers, just to save you the time of googling something to make you seem even more like the colonizer you are, but she could see it, and I really do mean that, she could see it all. Hell, when she first met me, and I took her out for pizza on the corner of 21st, she looked at me and said I was her one and only, no matter how it all ended, and I smiled because shit, dude. I was still in the service, and I was just looking for something to make the nights a little less lonely, you know what I mean? So when she said that, hell, I thought I had it made even if I had to lie a little bit. Wouldn't you? Fuck, we were all young once. But there was weight to what she saw, there really was, and one night when she looked up at me after our test had come back, she crawled on top of me and said no matter what I faced, we would face it together. It was one of the most loving things I've ever heard, if I'm being honest, and in a different life, when things had turned out better or she'd picked someone other than me, then I like to think that what she saw might have been more than enough. But that's not how life goes, and I know her family and the things she thought that were coming, and there wasn't anything about her words that were anything other than a clown lead to a surprise party for a child. The voice told me all those things. It said, in the darkest moments of each night, that I would ruin what was coming. That I would steal from my child any happiness that she deserved, and then, when it mattered, I'd fail Maria. The voice said that seven years from now, fitting, as it was always my unlucky number, I would go on a work trip. Something that would gain us immeasurable wealth, and I'd find a waitress who was more than willing to sneak out behind the back of the building, and... Well, you know. You know, don't you? This isn't the kids' table, is it? The voice said I would have pressed her up against the wall, and forgotten all about the woman I'd pledged my life to. I would have forgotten all about our daughter, and every bit of life we'd built would soon be burnt down around us. Do you have any idea what that's like? That call. It knew. It knew everything about me. I think what I remember most is the sound of everything in that moment, when I knew it had all gone wrong. And yeah, I get it. Sound, right? Everyone's always got something to say about sound. The son of Sam did. And if you listen long enough, I'm willing to bet almost everyone will hear something in the world around them. It's... How did my English teacher say it? I think he said, Louis. when things get difficult, When you look at the woman who looks so much like your wife, and you see all that could be without her, you'll understand that a voice in your head is just a voice. It's just a call. It's just a void. And there's nothing about you or the world around you that cannot be bettered by a simple choice to cast off all the empty space you've chosen to surround yourself with. He was a fat man. A dumpy man. Someone who seemed so goddamn sure of everything he wanted to be even though he wasn't anything other than a failure at the things he wanted so fucking much. Can you imagine spending your formative years living in a space shared, no, owned by that man? Jesus Christ, the damage he could do. Ah, there it is, that's what I heard. I was coming home from an assignment overseas, and for the love of fucking Christ, don't put it on that. It was light work, some patrolling in parts of Afghanistan that even the bastards we were trying to track down didn't want any part of, so, for Christ's sake, don't try and pin this on that. My brothers and sisters have enough to deal with without having you people try and pin it on anxiety this and stress that, but not a single fucking time do you sit down and ask any of us what happened. What went wrong. And yeah, maybe most of us couldn't tell you. Maybe when it all came down to it, there was nothing that was ever going to get us from point A to point B that told you any of the things that you really wanted to know. But what I know is this. One day, flying over the ocean in a part of the world I didn't even give a shit to know, my ears popped. Funny, isn't it? Strange how some things can change. They just popped like they'd been plugged for weeks, and the voice that sounded like me suddenly didn't any longer. Now it was deeper. Now it was sadder. Now it was full of some distant tone I didn't recognize. I told my CO about it and he laughed. He said my balls had finally dropped, but it wasn't that. It really wasn't. I remember the first time my ears popped on a flight. I was 10 years old flying back from a trip with my parents to see a family we no longer speak to, and a cute girl gave me a purple lifesaver to help me with my fear of flying and landing. I think in that moment she must have seemed as old as my mother, but in reality she couldn't have been much more than 13 or 14. It's funny how age can ruin us, can stretch and distort who we thought we were at the time, but when that plane landed I stepped out onto the landing and thought to myself, "Louise." You did it. You fucking did it and I'm proud of you, bro. That's typical, it's ordinary. It's a little voice we chalk up to being a conscience or that little piece of us that will guide us through the moments that make up the eternity we have to live with ourselves. But we can make up lists all we want about why things are the way they are. We can talk to everyone under the goddamn sun in the hopes of finding some way out, but when I stepped off that plane for the second time, for the last time. The voice I'd lived with my entire life was gone, and it had been replaced by something that I couldn't quite recognize. Imagine if you were a kid. Think about mowing the lawn for your father, someone who'd been with you the whole way through, and imagine if one day he stepped out onto the deck that overlooked the lawn you'd mowed, and he told you how poorly you'd done your task. No, not just what he said, but how he said it instead of the calming voice of the man who'd raised you since birth there was someone else there a different tone a different echo just enough variety in the shades of voice that you knew that the person who was speaking to you wasn't your father at all that's what it was like that's what it was like when my ears popped and i stepped out onto the tarmac behind the roaring engines and heard Something other than the voice that had guided me every moment of every day. The voice that had seen me through bomb threats. The voice that pushed me to join the service. The voice that had told me when I saw Maria at the bar. That she was the one and to never let her go. That voice was gone. And it was replaced by something else. Please, please don't laugh. I tried to. Believe me, I really did. But at a certain point there's nothing but you and the reality you wish wasn't there. All that's left is acceptance and the hope you can find some way out, but there isn't a way out, is there? The voice told me so, and he seemed so certain. And it was just little things in the beginning, I promise. That little claw machine push. He'd told me that I was feeling tired and worn down, that I was angry or frustrated, and I thought it was just that weird case of being home when I might not have been ready yet. But I had a daughter now, so I stamped the uneasy feeling down and for a while I tried not to think about it. You'd be surprised how hard that is though, trying not to think about the voice that's always there. It'd be like walking through the desert and trying to avoid your own shadow, right? that's something i understand i've walked through a hundred deserts in my life i was a soldier and it got me it got me out of a bad situation but then we found a cave a cave somewhere in afghanistan i've never fired my gun i was a soldier anyway i'm sorry i got a little lost there for a second it's it's been a long couple days It all escalated over time, the voice. For a while, it was just little things, incredible anger and fear about shit that never used to bother me. Whenever Maria would go out, either shopping or taking our girl to daycare or even out to the club with her girlfriends, it would whisper to me that she was going to leave forever. She wasn't going to come back. She was going to take our daughter back to Mexico and leave me behind. And that was the strangest part. Her family didn't live in Mexico, they were less than 20 minutes away. But the voice didn't care about anything like that, all that mattered was the incessant spiral it would build, or the flight of stairs he'd walk me to the edge of and kick me down. And I'd stand at the front window looking through the blinds for hours at a time before she eventually came home. Then life would continue, right? I'd never get after her or put any voice to the voice in my head, but I'd think about it. I'd think about it all the time, and you can't even imagine what that started to feel like. How heavy that weight was to drag. I'm a strong dude, always have been, but there was something to it that just wore me down, you know? It started to get to me. And when it did, the voice got a little louder and started saying different things. Worse things. Shit I didn't want to understand, let alone hear. I, I, I would find myself standing at an intersection, waiting for a break in the traffic, and I would hear myself begin to whisper, louder and louder, that I should just step out into the lanes occupied by buses and speeding cars. It would tell me that there would be no pain, even though I knew how insane that sounded, and I'd find myself stepping out a little more with every passing second. I never knew I was doing it, not really, but a couple times the only thing that brought me back was a car blaring its horn while its brakes squealed, and I'd just look up, man. I'd just stare at the guy behind the wheel and wonder why he was angry before all the little pieces started coming back, like bits of a puzzle you thought you'd lost but were there the entire time. We were in a cave, a dark black cave. And we were looking for someone who was already gone, and there was this crack, right? A fissure in the stone. And even though we were halfway up a fucking mountain, you could hold your hand against it and just feel air. Fresh air. Hot air. Made our fucking day, right? We'd been trekking up the side of a goddamn colossus, and for what? Not a goddamn thing, other than a reprimand for letting our dude get away, but there was something about that weird cave, man there was something about it. Jefferson knew it, but then that motherfucker always had his Bible tucked tight right up against his chest, so who's really gonna listen to that guy? Everyone else just wanted to kick it for a little bit because we had food, we had water, and any chance you get to sit in a fucking dead-end cave in the desert is something you've just gotta take. We knew something was wrong, though. We had that ambush feeling, so even as we were cracking some food packs, not a single one of us put down our guns and it just... And it just... I... I remember the moment I realized I was in trouble. I know, right? Walking into traffic, rage and trust issues, shit like that. But, you know, that could just be explained away. I had my fair share of medical leave, my fair share of psyche valves. I might not have ever killed anyone, but I've seen some shit, right? Seen shit that would turn your hair white overnight, and I'm not saying that to get any preferential treatment, I just want you to know. It's the way of war. People kill people, and I knew that going in. Eyes wide open. So like, it took a lot to shake me. It took a lot to get me to sit back and think something might actually be wrong, and I was like... I was standing in the bathroom, alright? Maria was getting ready to run baby girl to daycare because she was going to help out at one of the family spots, so I was just doing my thing. I never really got a job once I got out, but I did a lot of motivational shit and conference calls to pay my fair share. We were a team. Dream team. Bird and Magic and Jordan kind of shit, you know. And... And there was this crack in the mirror, right? It had been there since we moved in about four years ago, and it wasn't a big deal. She'd wanted to get it fixed as soon as we moved in, but... Money is what it is, and the economy kind of fucked us in a big spot, so... We had to just accept that some of our shit wasn't broken, it was just... What's the word she always uses? It was distressed. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was our distressed mirror in our distressed house, but it was ours, and when we first hooked up, I don't think either one of us saw that kind of success coming, so we could live with it. But yeah, this this crack, it was about eye level for me, maybe a little higher, and it's still there. I can show you if you like. i am I'm sure Maria will cook us up something good, but it just, That day, I just kept looking at it, you know? I could hear her moving around the house, trying to get ready, but I just kept... It was that cave, man. The same fucking crack, and I'll be goddamned if I didn't hear that rush of wind, that breath, and the rock. I remember everything like it happened to someone else. If I hadn't gone to the hospital, I would have believed that I'd just dreamed the whole thing, but I was watching that crack so close feeling the wind on my cheek, and I just knew there was something in my ear, right? Maria, she always likes to watch that gross shit on TV, the sort of medical doctor stuff where they're doing all sorts of sick procedures, and I never had a problem with that because she has to put up with all my food challenge shows, and some of that shit can get pretty gnarly. Sheep anus and shit like that, but I remember one time we were sitting there, and this doctor just pulls a goddamn wolf spider out of this chick's ear. The whole thing, alive and well, and let me tell you that motherfucker looked like he had been thriving. And I'm in front of this mirror, and I know that's not what it is, but I hear that voice just keep talking, low and repetitive, like... like a vinyl that's just got stuck. I heard myself say that there's a spider in my ear, and spiders need to come out, so my body just goes, okay, sure, I guess that's it. And the next thing I know, I'm grabbing one of Maria's combs. It's a long, skinny thing that she used to, like, tease her bangs or something. Eh, I don't even know, and it had this weird-ass pointy handle on it. I swear to god, it came to some sort of weird ass toothpick point, and I'll never forget it because when we used to fight, and we did a lot because neither one of us is perfect, and she's got that fire, man, she's from a passionate, passionate fucking family, and I remember just standing there, staring at myself like he was someone else, listening to myself like he wasn't me, and I just rammed that sharp motherfucker all the way down, didn't stop until I couldn't go any further and I just rotated the shit out of that thing like I was digging for something, digging for that spider, trying, trying my fucking hardest to scare him out. I guess at some point I started screaming because Maria runs in and she just has this look on her face like, fuck, like she just saw her husband and the father of her kid with the sharp end of a comb rammed halfway through his head. And she just started bawling, wrestling with my arm, that kind of thing, but she didn't need to because as soon as she ran in, I just snapped back like I did every time a car honked and got me out of the road. Just like that, my voice in my head quieted down, and I punched a fucking mirror so hard it shattered. She told me on the way to the ER that I'd never scared her before, and that she was absolutely terrified of me, Honestly, that's about the guiltiest I've ever felt about anything before. I knew it then and I knew it now that I'm going to be spending the rest of my life making it up to her because you don't just let a woman like that go, right? You just keep holding on. I wound up having to get surgery on my eardrum to repair the damage. They said they'd never seen anything like it, but we just kept lying said I'd accidentally fallen while digging around with a q-tip and they did everything they could to call me a liar and hell they were right so it's not like I was gonna hold that against them but I also didn't have it in me to sit through whatever shit I had coming if I went with the truth Maria she didn't either Gloria was with us and their day didn't just end because I lost my shit a little bit a little bit I, I knew it wasn't that Even when I was sitting and talking with the doctor, lying my ass off, I knew there was a world of things I wasn't saying to anyone, but I had no idea what else I was gonna do. Get myself committed? Get stuck on a fucking psychiatric hold? Fuck that man. We had house payments, we had fucking bills that were already piling up, and I wasn't about to give Maria's family a reason to hate me. We were tight, but... And as soon as things looked rough for her, I knew someone over there would pull the ripcord. They would have, right? Or or is that something the voice is telling me? I I wish I knew any more, I really do. But there's a lot that's fading out lately and getting lost in the gaps. It's like the breath on the other side of the crack in the stone is sucking parts of me in. Inhaling, but not exhaling, and I'm just... I'm back in the cave, and Jefferson is fucking around with his MRE. I think it was crackers and chili or something like that, and I just walked over to that split in the stone. It wasn't a cave system, nothing we had to go searching through, it was more just a hideaway. We figured it would have been a good spot for a sniper position, but it didn't look like anyone had been in there for god knows how long. Ours were the only footprints, and if you'd told me the dirt hadn't been disturbed in decades, I would've believed it. And I just kept looking at it. Over and over again. I remember Cavuto asking if I was gonna fuck it. They they said they could leave me alone for a bit. Forty seconds, I think, was the joke, but none of that fazed me. We were shit-kickers, and I don't know if you've ever known anyone in the service, but we're not exactly tiptoeing around each other so much as seeing what everyone can take. I just know at a certain point I set my rifle down and walked over to the split in the wall. I just had to, and I rested the side of my face against it. I'd like to tell you that I was doing some recon shit and listening to see if maybe it led to a tunnel system and maybe I was trying to find our target, but I wasn't. I just had to listen, and I pressed my ear tight to it and stayed still, listening to the rush of air moving in and out. It was like holding a seashell up to your ear, right? That weird feeling you get as a kid when you hold this tiny little thing to your ear like a phone and find out that there's a fucking ocean of space inside. I remember thinking at least this felt better and made more sense. Like, if you're gonna pack the entirety of everything into a space, then it might as well be an infinite mountain behind a stone wall, rather than a kid's fucking seashell. And then I remember looking at Cavuto and wondering what sound he'd make if I forced my thumbs into his eye sockets until his eyeballs burst. I wondered if they'd pop like balloons, and if that even made sense, and I... and I... I, I'd never do that, really. We fell out of touch a bit after we got out of the service, but we have an email change going that'll never die. I know they're talking about starting up a fantasy football league this year, and Jefferson keeps saying he needs to come out to meet the kid. He got familiar with Maria's family at the wedding, and the dude has a ridiculous appetite for good tacos and tamales, so there's no way we'll keep him away forever. I'll have to let her know that we just need to make it happen. It's been long enough, and I'm not getting any younger because eventually someone's going to wind up dead. Someone's going to wind up gagging on shards of broken glass or something. And I know Maria has her first confession coming up, so maybe that'd be a good time to ring my battle brothers up and convince a couple of them to come on down. SoCal is awesome this time of year. They could bring their wives and we could just hang out on the beach with our families and laugh about how we made it out laugh about the good old times what what, what did i say I'm, I'm still me i promise i haven't felt this good in ages it's just a story i'm not blaming things on a crack in the wall in some far-off fucking desert you you get that right i've, I've got my problems sure but it's nothing we can't tackle as a family and you better believe we're going to see it through just because I'm pushing 40 these next couple of years doesn't mean I'm scared of asking for help because god damn if I wouldn't do anything for Maria and our girl. And she said that's one of the things that she'll always love about me. The safety she felt when I was around and the strange knowledge that I'd rather go off to the middle of nowhere to a cave with a crack in the wall, a crack in the wall, a crack in the wall, or, cra- or even go get psychiatric help. I'm not averse to meds, never have been. I don't like them, I don't want to turn into some zombie, but if it winds up being a choice between losing the loves of my life or taking some pills, then throw the fucking medicine cabinet at me, crush them up, and I'll snort them if I have to because I'm not giving them up. I'd, n- I'd never give them up. No matter what, we're in this together. Together. I'd, I'd like to speak to my wife. Are you, are you? You're here to help me, aren't you? Is this St. Anthony's? No matter what, we're in this together. Those aren't even my words, they're hers. I remember her saying them to me when... It was when we were in the car, we were on our way here. She said she was worried and I said don't be. I said we could come down and I'd hang out with you guys for a little bit until you got me right. It wasn't ideal, but our house is small enough for her to wrestle the single-parent life for a bit, and Gloria, she's, she's a fucking angel. She's our angel. There is no way she would be anything other than a dream, and at least that meant Maria wouldn't have to go through it alone. I can get things settled once I get this shit figured out, and then I can get back to my life. And I told her I'd never let her down. I told her in our vows that when we die, she won't even have to search for me in heaven. She won't even have to wave because... Because I'd find something. Jefferson and Cavuto tracked our guy up near the cave. I remember there being this dog, this towering black dog about 50 feet away. No one knew where it came from, and I remember Davis training his rifle on it just in case. We were all dog lovers, so no fucking way were we going to shoot anything unless we had to, and fortunately we didn't. It just watched us until it turned away, this fucking wolf-looking thing. I swear, man, the shit you see in those mountains. Fucking desert lands are weird as hell, and we go up to this cave, right? We go up and there's this crack, and it's... it's... no, that that's not right either. There was a crack in the corner of our windshield. I remember. I remember now. I think Maria said she'd hit a bird or something. Was it a roadrunner? Fuck, do roadrunners even fly? She she said she hit something, and there was this crack in the windshield, and we're driving. It was a hot summer day, or or it is a hot summer day, and the windows are down, and I remember how her hair looked getting tossed in the wind. She looked over at me, and there were tears in her eyes, but she was also smiling, you know? Hope, hopeful smiles. And she reached out and grabbed my hand while I drove, kissing it and kissing the knuckles one by one. I've never been so in love, and, and that was today. That was today. We were on our way here. Is she outside? Can, can she see me through the glass? I... I honestly don't know how you guys do things around here, but if she's out there, then I'd love it if I could just see her. I want to let her know that I'm getting this thing licked. I want to look her in the eye and promise that her baby is coming home. And, and so she's holding my hand, right? And I... I looked in the mirror, just driving etiquette shit, and there was... What was it? Maybe I felt it first hot breath on my neck that didn't match what was coming through the windows, and I just looked back and for a second I thought I saw something. But that's the problem, it wasn't really anything at all. It was it was just blank space, a black hole like a fucking storm cloud or a mountain in the night. A cave, it, it, it might have been a cave. But I just blinked once, no a couple times and shook it off because Gloria was looking at me. She had an ice cream cone because we both thought it might make the goodbye a little easier. Everything is easier with ice cream. And I told her to sit down in her seat, to not breathe so hot on my neck, and I remember Maria saying she's fine, she's buckled in. She said the booster seat couldn't be fucked with and I just... I just watched her smile. I watched them both smile, and the interstate was so long. Stretched out like we could drive forever, and I heard myself whispering again, and the voice kept growing louder and louder and louder. We were all so happy. Did you know when people die they call it a death rattle, because it sounds like a kid in a crib? We were were all so happy. Did you know that when someone's choking on blood, it sounds like water? Like a stream? I I was going to fix it. Maria was holding my hand, and Gloria was taking champ-sized bites out of her ice cream. It was going to give her brain freeze, but she was giggling and just didn't care. There was a tree coming up, just off to the side of the road, about a quarter of a mile up. It was towering and turning gold in the autumn sun, and it was so beautiful, so strong, just like us. And I remember wanting to ask Maria if we could stop, just for a little bit, so our baby could finish her cone. So we could have one more little moment before hospital bills started making things messy, but that wasn't what we'd agreed to. And out of all the things I love about her, her strength is what I love most, so I was just going to look at it as we passed by. I was just going to look, and it was so golden and beautiful, and everything bright about the life we had, and that tree. The tree. I remember thinking it was so weird to feel the rush of old air coming through the crack in the windshield, and that voice that sounded so much like me whispering in my ear over and over again. I remember Maria's smile, and I think Gloria might have laughed. They are my girls. They were coming with me so I didn't have to be alone. And that's love, right? That's a love you chase and cherish as long as you can. But then there was so much red paint. Did we, did we have red paint in the car? Maybe she's going to remodel something while I'm gone. She's a sweetheart like that. Launching surprises when I haven't even asked. But it's, it's everywhere. Why, why is it everywhere? And I see Maria laying on her back, looking up at the stars that haven't come out yet. Maybe she's waiting for them. Maybe we, maybe we decided we could just stop just for a moment. And, and I remember wondering why her breath sounded like the ocean in a seashell. And I wanted to know why the space in the car behind me sounded empty and felt upside down, but there were leaves and the sounds of falling fruit. The world smelled like it was burning, and there were so many golden leaves falling, and I'm sure it must have been because the wind, the wind that stirred the smoke, the wind in broken glass, the wind in the cave. Why does red paint taste like copper and ice cream? Why is it running down the windshield and puddling in a million cracks instead of just one? Why, why out of all the things I could possibly hear, why do I just hear me? I I just want to talk to, I just want to, I just want to talk to my, uh, my... It's, how did my English teacher say it? It was an autumn day. I remember that much because I always liked to sit next to the window so I could listen to the rain tap against the glass and watch golden, yellowing leaves blow in the wind. He wasn't that great of a teacher, though. He sounded like someone who just never quite knew what was going on. I wonder what he'd say to me now. I wonder if he'd hear my voice, too, because it's there. It's always there. As old as the Earth, as eternal as the wind. Did I ever tell you about the time I spent in Afghanistan? Did I ever tell you about the cave?